Alleluia, Alleluia. I will not leave you orphans, says the Lord. I will come back to you and your hearts will rejoice. Alleluia, Alleluia. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Jesus said to his disciples, A little while and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while later, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What does this mean that he is saying to us, A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. So they said, What is this little while of which he speaks? We do not know what he means. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Are you discussing with one another what I said? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Amen, amen, I say to you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will become joy. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, you may have noticed the readings in the booklet do not correspond to the readings for the day. The prayers also were not the correct prayers for today, but uh, that's all right. We'll offer to the Lord our imperfect sacrifice. Father Ron is away for the Presbyteral Council. However, there will be a holy hour tonight at 6 p.m., and there is exposition in the chapel uh, until 5.30. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So this year, I've had the privilege of teaching our seventh graders over at O'Hara Catholic School. I was over there yesterday. And uh, it's gotten to the point where they're comfortable asking me whatever questions come to their minds, even if it's unrelated to whatever we're talking about that day. And there were two questions they asked yesterday that actually directly pertain to the readings we have today at this prayer service. The first one I thought was particularly interesting. Um, One little girl said... uh, Well, if we're all supposed to be like Jesus, then why are we Catholics instead of Jews? Jesus was a Jew, right? So shouldn't we all be Jews? And it sort of caught me off guard. Um, But the interesting thing is, that's exactly the question the apostles are wrestling with throughout all these readings from Acts of the Apostles we've been hearing over the past couple of weeks. Um, So if you recall last week, there was the whole drama of the Judaizers, And that's this faction of the early church who thought, well, the Gentile converts who are baptized, who believe in the Lord, uh, they still have to be circumcised, and they still have to confess the whole law of Moses. And then the church convenes the Council of Jerusalem, and they have this discussion. And the ruling of St. Peter and of St. James is no, uh, they don't have to be circumcised. The law of Moses is done. This is a new covenant. We're something distinct now. The church is not just a... um, a Jewish sect, but this is something now entirely new that God is doing. And so Jesus, Jesus really becomes the sword of division that he prophesied in his earthly life. Remember the the little quoted passage in the gospel where Jesus says, I come not to bring peace, but the sword. 
He himself becomes the sword. In fact, the sword really is the question, uh, who is Jesus Christ? And there's two ways of answering the question. You know, and we see how it plays out today in Corinth, where St. Paul is preaching. It says so beautifully in Acts, uh, Paul was occupied with preaching, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. This is the Messiah who they've been waiting for, the fulfillment of all the promises. And yet, as I told the seventh graders yesterday, there are still some who don't accept that Jesus is the fulfillment of all those promises. They're still waiting for the Messiah. They don't recognize that he's come. The promises have been fulfilled for us in Jesus Christ. And that's what sets us apart. We're so blessed as Catholics to recognize that, yes, God is faithful to his promises. He's given us the fulfillment of what he promised for centuries, for millennia. We're blessed to enjoy the fulfillment of his promises. But nevertheless, there's the question that divides. Who do you say that I am? Is Jesus the son of God? Or is he just a a teacher? You know, an itinerant rabbi. The second question they asked me yesterday, which directly pertains to today's gospel, was related to the parable of the lost sheep. I was teaching them about, you all know this parable, about the shepherd um, who goes off in search of the one and leaves the 99. And one of the students asked, well, isn't that a bit of a risk for the shepherd? It's a bit rest, a bit rest, uh, what am I trying to say? Reckless for the shepherd to go away, to leave the 99 unguarded in the wilderness. He goes after the one, but in the meantime, what if the wolves come and scatter the rest of the flock? He'll come back and find he doesn't have any sheep left. Again, on a human level, this uh, question makes perfect sense. We would say this shepherd uh, is a bit irresponsible. He's not really taking his duty seriously. He's a bit, uh, a little bit crazy, actually, going off after the one lost sheep and leaving the rest unguarded. And I think that's essentially the question in the hearts of the apostles in today's gospel, where Jesus is telling them, look, I am going away to him who sent me. I am going to the Father. And the apostles are thinking, well, Master, we've been with you for three years, and we expected that there was going to be a bit more to this whole discipleship thing than this. You know, if you're really the Messiah, we thought you're going to come and overthrow the Romans. You're going to set us free. You're going to reestablish the kingdom. And none of that's happened. Sure, there have been miracles, but you're going away now to the Father? What about us? You're leaving us behind. I mean, great for you, but what's next? Now, just before today's gospel reading began, um, Jesus actually, I think, gives the reply to this deeper question in their hearts. It's there in John chapter 16. He says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And I think this is the case often for us. uh, that The apostles, out of their love for the Lord, they want to cling to this way of of his being present with them that they've come to know. You know, they've, they've gotten used to having his presence there with them, teaching them, guiding them, working miracles with them, you know. And now for the Lord to go away, there's a real loss But he says, it's to your advantage that I go because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and I'm going to be present with you in a deeper and a more abiding way than you've experienced up to this moment. You've experienced, you know, human fellowship. 
But what the Lord has in mind for them is beyond what they can yet imagine. You know, he wants to come and to be united with them at the very level of their bodies with the gift of his life-giving, most pure and precious body and blood in the Eucharist. And at the very level of their soul, he's going to pour out the Holy Spirit, his spirit, into them at Pentecost. And it's no longer just going to be this human fraternity, this community. It's going to be a deep interior indwelling, this mutual possession of love that God has come to establish in every human soul. But this is beyond their capacity to understand right now. And friends, the Lord knows that. The gospel says Jesus needed no one to tell him about human nature. He knew it very well. So he gives them this consolation. He says, I must go so that I can be present to you in a new way, in a better way, in a deeper way. And it's so beautiful, this, uh, this account given to us in Acts today of St. Paul in Corinth. You know, St. Paul never knew the Lord. St. Paul was not one of the twelve. And yet it says, in fact, the Lord says to him, Do not be afraid, but speak and do not be silent, for I am with you. The Lord is there with him. Amen? So as I told the class yesterday, every analogy reveals some truth and obscures some others. So if we take the story of the lost sheep and the 99, you know, uh, the truth that it reveals, I think, is the Lord is so passionately concerned with every individual soul that he is, we could say in a certain sense, reckless. He goes after each one of us with a relentless passion. He pursues each soul. Where the analogy falls short is that a shepherd is just a finite human being, but God in his divine perfection is so attentive to each and every one of us. He has this intensity, this infinite intensity of love for every soul. And as a professor of mine once said, he says to each one of us in the depths of our heart, you will go to hell over my dead body. He will allow us to be lost only at the cost of everything that he can possibly give to win us back. But friends, we need to not only know this with our intellect, but believe it with our will and with our hearts. And so in moments when perhaps, like the apostles, we feel that the Lord is far from us, or we feel abandoned, or we're questioning, Lord, where are you? <laughs> what are you about? What about me? You're doing some great plans, but... What, what, what's next for me, Lord? We have to have the faith to answer the question, who do you say that I am? With the truth that we know by faith, that Jesus is the good shepherd and indeed the divine shepherd who will never abandon us, but who will pursue us to the ends of the earth in order to win us back for himself. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy, for I am with you says the Lord. And friends, tomorrow begins the Pentecost Novena, just as a reminder. So I invite all of you to pray this Novena, the nine days leading up to the great feast of Pentecost, so that this year, in a particular way, this might be not just a liturgical commemoration of something that's happened in the past, but that we ask the Holy Spirit to come upon first our priests, to come upon the church, and to bring about a great renewal here in Eugene. The Archbishop is praying for it, our priests are praying for it, so let's pray together with them for the Holy Spirit to come to set our hearts on fire. We'll pray, come Holy Spirit, 
Fill the hearts of your faithful people and enkindle in them the fire of your divine love. Lord, send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.